the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of the Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne. And I'm Brooke Wayne. We are grateful that you've joined us, and we have a very special topic on tap today. We're going to be talking about raising two-year-olds. Now, this is a little bit broader than that, and that we're kind of talking about that two-ish stage, mm-hmm. so a little bit younger, a little bit older, but we're going to aim for helping parents who are wrestling with what some people consider to be the terrible twos. Now, in our experience, uh, we've never really experienced the terrible twos. Um, there was one daughter that we had, whose name will remain anonymous, who had a, a second birthday, and uh, you had just given birth to another child at that time, and I decided, so you were in bed, I decided yes. that this was the perfect time for this child to be potty trained, because... Um, for whatever reason, she just wasn't getting it. And so I decided to put my dad hat on and I was going to make sure that this potty training happened. And I assumed that this could be readily done in a day. And unfortunately, it didn't go as well as what I had hoped. And unfortunately, she was quite resistant to this idea of potty training. <laughs> yes. And so we did have a year of her being a little grumpy. But uh, she got with the program eventually, and as with all of our other children, eventually learned how to be potty trained. And it seemed like from the age of two to three, we had some relationship issues mm-hmm. uh, with her where she was very strong-minded and had an opinion of her own. And so, you know, certainly some strong-willed child syndrome there. Um, but I think part of the reason why I would say our children haven't really gone through that terrible two-stage for the most part, is number one, we don't look at it that way, do we? No. In fact, you know, the first child we had, I was like, oh, everybody talks about this terrible twos. I want to make it good. And I would say we had a very tolerable two. The next one was the terrible two. And I'll tell you, it was ironic. It started on her second birthday, and it went through her third birthday. And about the third birthday, she snapped out of it. So with our third child, when he hit those two-year, the two-year-old stage... I was like, we are going to have a terrific two-year-old stage. And he did. And after that, I just loved it so much. I'm like, okay, I am never going to go through the tolerable twos or the terrible twos again. We're going to have terrific twos. And we pretty much have. But there have been some basic things that we've put in place that have really made a difference here. And I'll tell you, the very first thing that makes a difference is not allowing a child to grump. Oh, this can be so difficult. But what I'm talking about is give your child some tools, and it's called words that help your child to be able to communicate with you in a way besides whining, grumping, complaining, screaming, throwing themselves on the floor, all those things. As a baby, they come out of that stage where the only way they communicate with you is through their body language or that, um, you know, crying and so forth. And they're kind of used to it. And frankly, we have helped them through that stage. Um, to this point where now they really need to learn some better tools of communication. Sign language for babies is an excellent idea. I love it. You know, I've never seen any delay in actual speech because of it. I know some people have that concern. 
But even if you just have some very, very basics of I'm done or more or I'm hungry, those types of things. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. There you go. Adding some gratefulness right in from the start. Those things go a long way. But by two, most children are able to say at least a few words and a few sentences. And this is your chance to allow them to use that for communicating in a positive way. So when a child's grumping, it's a drink of water, whatever it is they need, lead them in asking for it with appropriate words and not catering to their grumpiness. It's hard for little ones. It's hard to replace old habits, but this can be done by never giving that child, never giving into the child until they have given that little uh, an attempt at speaking the right words. We've actually started the sign language with babies when they're not very verbal, right? Uh, when they're still trying to figure out how to talk, because we've learned that they can do the sign language before they can actually articulate words. So to be able to say more or drink or hungry or things like that, down, you know, down, those kinds of one. things, um, that helps because if they can't say the words, sometimes they get frustrated and they just articulate some sort of nonverbal crying, fussing, grunting sounds. Uh, which are not very pleasant for us as parents to listen to. And so we found that the sign language actually helps them not to be so frustrated and aids in communication. They often express great relief when they can see that the things that they are wanting to communicate are understood by the parent and that they can ask for something and get what they want. Sometimes that really helps to take down the whining and fussing at an early age. Um, what age would you say we've started with uh, some of our little ones? As far as the sign language? Yeah. Oh, um, you know, maybe about a year. Sometimes it, it depends on the child, but usually by a year and a half, they're quite proficient at using it. Um, but about a year, I think, is when we've actually started teaching it, maybe a little before. But obviously, there comes a point where they're they're using both words, and that's great to then say, oh, can you when they can say, it, can you say the word for me? Say down or say I'm done, as opposed to just signing it. As opposed to just signing it, because you don't want to make that transition from the sign language to a verbal usage of words. Okay, so communication is one of the important elements related to relationship with your child, um, helping them to communicate and uh, communicating effectively. Uh, toward them. Um, One thing that we've talked about on a lot of our podcasts and we talk about in our book, Pitching a Fit, is not yelling at your child. Um, Some parents get very frustrated with their two-year-olds, and so they tend to train their children by yelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think this is incredibly negative, and uh, we have whole podcasts and, and books dedicated to that. If you're interested in learning how to stop being a yeller, you can Go to our Family Renewal podcast online and on the, on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, and you can listen to uh, an episode that we have specifically designated for that, as well as a chapter in Pitch and a Fit. So communication is a big key. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add on the communication side? or? Well, it's a little bit different angle, and you probably heard us say this before, but so excuse us, but it's something that I continually have to learn myself. I have to value my own words. In order to help my children value my words, I have really, really important things to teach my children. I have basic life skills that I need to teach them about, you know, the hot stove is a danger, but I also have eternal truth to teach them from God's word, and I need to have them listen to me. But a lot of times it's easy as a mom 
to just kind of say stuff and realize, okay, they're not really listening. I'll say it again, or I'll, um, you know, I'll allow for them to ignore me to a certain point. But when we feel like it is important, and it's like there are huge things that in factor here of life or death or danger, then we all of a sudden demand attention, which is necessary. And yet, if we can teach our children in the very small things, when they're two, to value our own words, uh, if we value our own words, then we'll be teaching them to value our words as well. Okay, so communication is a key principle for helping your child to be able to relate well and to uh, avoid the terrible two stage. Um, What else else is important in terms of dealing with two-year-olds? Having a good structure is so important, and I don't mean every hour is slotted or every half hour is slotted, but that there is some sort of basic um, basic structure to your day. A child is has a regular nap at this stage is so important, and a lot of the two-year-olds are starting to be able to actually physically make it through the day without that sleep time. And so they're starting to struggle against the nap time. And yet I feel it's important for them to have a uh, just a an alone time or at least a quiet time where their bodies are quieted. You'll know from other podcasts that Israel and I are pretty um, pretty big on the idea of teaching your children to sit still. By two years old, a child who has been trained from you know, that one-year age, just having a repetition of sitting still with mom and dad. By two years old, they're at a much better place of kind of grasping that idea of sitting still. We talk about this in another podcast, and I believe it's called How I Taught My Children to Sit Still and Be Quiet. Which is also a chapter in my book, Full-Time Parenting, A Guide to Family-Based Discipleship. You can find that resource on our uh, familyrenewal.org site. And really, the scripture talks about this as well, where it says that a child left to himself will come to ruin. Yes. And so sometimes as parents, we may think that we're doing our children a favor by just allowing them to have large chunks of undirected time. But children really do need guidance. They need to have some direction to their Mm -hmm. day because they'll find things to do, (laughs) but it's not always the the best thing. They, They really do best when parents have... Um, structured some time. But but how do you do that when you're busy? How do you structure time for your child when you have other children that you're raising and you have housework that needs done and meals that need taken care of and you're homeschooling older children? I think we had one uh, podcast that we did called Teaching Multiple Grades at Once. Um, That would certainly be worth going back and listening to if you're thinking about that specific angle. So we don't want to do a whole nother show on it here. But um, what are some things that you can do to help provide some structure? Are you talking mainly about kind of having a schedule, like they wake up at a certain time, go to sleep at a time, a certain time, eat at a certain time, that kind of thing? Yes, within reason. And a lot of how I got to that point in making those decisions was because we felt like we wanted to have a Bible time every day where that little sweet two-year-old is learning how to sit still. And it was a little bit hard for me because I felt like, oh, you know, they don't quite understand what's going on, or they, they're too small to listen to in-depth teaching or a sermon. And yet I realized this is a very small slice of my child's day. You know, 15 minutes at home, maybe half an hour in a um, more public setting like a church service. And it is the rest of their day is just completely filled with activities and learning projects and hands-on things that they can do. 
So that half hour of slice is really not much, but it kind of opened my eyes to, okay, what are things I can do to help them through their day so that they're going through a bit of, um, you know, I'm actually planning this in my day, a bit of a change from something that's a little bit more quiet and tuned down to something that helps release all that little lovely two-year-old energy that we wish we could, you know, capture and sell and so wonderful. You something that's running, something that's taking care of their little needs with snacks. And so I started looking at what is it my child can do. And the age of having just turned two to more of a three-year-old era, there's a lot of different skills in there. So a younger child is going to be having, you know, just little times of playing with little toys or having, um, maybe an alone time where they're playing with toys. That's always hard because they want to get up and walk around. But if with repetition of just, okay, now's your time, keeping it short, five minutes maybe at first, and increasing that as the child shows more interest in their toy are very helpful. But then even being able to change it up and say, okay, now we're going to put this away. And now we're going to play with a different kind of toy. It's a gentle way of leading them through their interests and following mom or dad as their leader and being able to take instruction and do something with it. So for a toddler, you know, they could all day long go from activity to activity to activity and your house is going to look like a hurricane hit it. So each time you have a change of activity, helping the little one learn, this is how we put away our toys and how we clean up after that. Going from alone time, it's great to introduce some Uh, you know, change of pace and have some time together with other brothers and sisters or with mom and going again, like I said, from uh, slower activity, something that's a little more quiet to something that's a little more rambunctious for those little people's sake and being able to help them in that way. What to do with those little ones, those two-year-olds, I am still learning. When, Like when you're doing your schoolwork with your other kids, oh, I'm still learning. And one thing I'm doing this year is setting up special little baggies of special toys that are only used during school time. I have one for each day of the week, and that is something I'm really looking forward to seeing how it works. I also have my little two-year-old join in with her big sister on, um, like, if she's doing math, that she gets to help do play with the counting bears, and if she, her big sister's uh, learning her letters and learning to write, then she gets to draw and scribble in her coloring book. So it helps her feel like, wow, I'm really something. I'm a big girl getting to be part of this. So when you have behavioral problems with your children, how much of that is that they're tired, they're hungry, they have some kind of physical need, and how much of it is their sinful nature coming out? You know, one of the things I see online a lot of times is somebody will talk about how their three-year-old is very angry and kicks them and hits them and says, I hate you and things like that. And people post online and say, well, you know, try peppermint oil, that kind of thing. Um, And so people have different viewpoints on what the cause of this is that some people feel like, well, it's just that they're tired and they're they're hungry or other people say this is a a sin thing this is a rebellion thing and other people jump in and say well you know there's no possibility for a child to be exhibiting sinful behavior at two or three they don't even know what that is so what are your thoughts on that 
Well, I would say that, you know, we're taking these little tiny toddlers. They've just come out of babyhood where they have so many basic needs. Just, I need sleep. I need food. I need comfort. And it's easy for us to uh, just continue saying that every behavioral issue, every anger that comes out, every meltdown is, oh, we revert back to how we viewed it when they were a baby. Oh, they're tired. Oh, they're hungry. Oh, this, this act, um, not action, but this behavior, this attitude is purely related to physical. And I want to say, we need to be very gentle with these little two-year-olds. They do have a lot of physical needs. They do wear out very easily as far as they do need a nap in the middle of the day. They do get tired and they have a very hard time managing their, um, their behavior and controlling themselves, you know, keeping self-control in check when they're tired. And so I would say, if your toddler is tired, give them a nap. Make sure that they get the sleep that they need. Keeping them on a reasonable schedule where they do wake up at a somewhat predictable time, go to bed at a predictable time. Um, you know, giving them a rest time in the middle of the day, whether that's nap or a quiet time, but making sure that their physical needs are taken care of and that they've gotten food at a predictable time and, and you know, so forth. Maybe even snacks at a predictable yeah, time. Yes, snacks at a predictable time. Making sure that you're never putting your child in that difficult, you know, as much as possible. You're never having them forced so much beyond the grace of of their physical limitations that they're put in a position where it becomes a habit and then they're lashing out from that uh, physical need. So when you as a mom know... I have taken care of their physical needs. They had a snack an hour ago or 15 minutes ago. So the behavior I'm seeing here is not, you know, uh, starvation. I'm starving little thing. Or that little one has had a good night of sleep and they've had their their predictable rest times. It's easier for mom to go, okay, what I'm seeing here is not, you know, purely just they're being taxed beyond their limits. And that helps the mom then to be able to differentiate between what is an exhausted child or a hungry child and what is the sinful nature that is coming out. And it's so hard for us because those are such sweet little buttons and yet they have this desire to make sure that them they themselves are the center of their world. And it's for their own good that we help them see they are not the center of the world. The life doesn't revolve around little Johnny or little Susie, but it's much bigger than them. And that's a glorious thing. And when they can get that grasp of giving towards their family members, to little friends, to grandparents, and being able to bless and give of their own little hearts towards others, they um, will actually receive blessing in their own little lives instead of thinking everything is about them. Yeah, some of you may have seen the meme that's popular online that goes around social media, but kind of like a toddler's bill of rights. And uh, a toddler has this view of ownership yes. that if it's mine, it's mine. If it's mm. yours, it's mine. Uh, if I had it, it's mine. If you had it, it's mine. If I was playing with it at some point, it's mine. If I want it, it's mine. <laughs> you know, there's this view that uh, everything is theirs, and we actually have one in that stage right now. And uh, she's a sweet little blessing, but sometimes with siblings, the other sibling can be sitting peacefully on the couch playing with a toy, and that two-year-old decides that she wants it, and she'll march right up there and grab that toy and yank it away from her brother or sister and 
we have to teach her that that's not yours. And and if we say you need to give that back to your brother, give it back to your sister, she'll cry and oh my, she'll just act so put out, so emotionally hurt by the fact that you would tell her no and that you would not allow her to just grab whatever she wants from another person. And the thing is, though, as you said, it's for her good Mm -hmm. that we're teaching her that's not acceptable behavior. And when people let that go or they excuse it and say, well, she's just grabbing from her sister because she's hungry or she's tired or whatever it is, um, then they are encouraging that behavior and it will only become more cemented mm-hmm. in the child. It'll be that much more difficult to break them from that kind of behavior later. So you're really not doing yourself or your child a favor by delaying training right. of the child. A two-year-old is quite capable of understanding the fact that they're not allowed to hit people, they're not allowed to grab things from other people, uh, they're not allowed to throw themselves on the floor and kick and scream and yell and tell mama no uh, or daddy no. Uh, they, they try those things and uh, they will do as much of that kind of thing as they're allowed to get away with. Yes, they sure will. I find the two-year-old stage fascinating because it really is a time when you're setting every life lesson before your child of self-control, how to control themselves, how to wait, how to be led and and be a follower so that they don't um, just walk in their own ways. You're teaching them about boundaries, about uh, personal property, about rights, about kindness, about not, you know, just grabbing things for themselves. And then even just about how to relate to mom and dad, like Israel mentioned, the screaming and yelling and tantrum throwing are, this is so hard to say, but they're allowed by the parents. And I'm not going to say every single one is um, something that the parents have fed. But you know, the Sometimes parents- you have a unique situation where mm-hmm. you may have a child who has autism or mm-hmm. there may be some kind of a physical issue or condition that is out of the ordinary. Right. Um, and so those are factors that, of course you know, we recognize, but in the normal course of things, if you're talking about a standard healthy two-year-old that doesn't have something physically going on that is out of the ordinary, uh, those two-year-olds can certainly learn how to respond appropriately in those situations, but they have to be trained to respond appropriately. It, It comes down to that they need negative consequence from that. Every time that there is a tantrum, every time there is a, a screaming or a yelling, an out-of-control response, it needs negative consequences. You also have to have in that time with your toddler, um, in this season of their life, a very positive po- positive consequences, positive affirmation. Positive affirmation. Because otherwise, that little two-year-old goes, okay, I'm getting negative attention. I'll take it. Give me some more. And they will actually play on you. And so if you're making sure that you counterbalance any negative time with a whole lot of positive, a whole lot of positive, you know, sitting down with them, reading to them, talking with them, taking them on walks, taking them to the playground, um, baking with them. Little toddlers love cookies. You can get a lot of good bonding done with a cookie. And it's just a fabulous time of life because you're setting up things of, of, of here's the line. Here's how we have a good time together. And then when they do throw that tantrum, and you know you've done the little checklist in your mind, they, they are reasonably well-fed and well-rested. 
and you know that it's not an issue that you have um, you have driven them past their physical endurance level, then you know, okay, I need to deal with this on a spiritual level. I need to deal with their behavior at this point. But you're balancing it with so much positive. Absolutely. So one of the things that we've talked about is developing good communication patterns with your children. We've talked about the importance of adequate sleep, adequate diet, nutrition, having adequate boundaries. And uh, those who've ever been to my parenting seminars have heard me say a million times that what children need is they need predictable boundaries, they need predictable consequences, and then absolutely consistent follow-through with those consequences when the child crosses over the line. So... Um, I also have in my book, Full-Time Parenting, uh, a chapter, the first chapter of the book is called Be the Parent. And I think sometimes just even having the right sense of identity is important where you as a parent are not afraid of your toddler. Right. Where you recognize I'm the adult and they are the toddler and it is in- imperative that they learn how to listen to me, that they learn how to obey me. And that they learn how to submit their will to my will. And if you are too timid about that, if you're too shy about that, then you're really putting your child at risk. If if your child is running out on the sidewalk and starts to run in front of a bus, you need to be able to say their name and say stop and have them stop in their tracks. Yes. And if your child will not do that because they're used to ignoring you, they're used to tuning you out and just doing whatever it is they want to do anyway, um, then you're really at risk uh, in terms of your child's own safety. Mm -hmm. It is for their good that they learn that they have to submit their will to the will of the parent and that they have to do what the parent wants them to do, not what they want to do. Yes. That's hard for a two-year-old. Oh, it's so hard because that two-year-old has a really strong sense of, I know what life is about and what I want out of life and I want to do it. And they have such an exuberance about it that we can um, kind of get pulled into allowing them to run their own lives. I want to present something I think is kind of interesting. And it's probably just because I'm in this particular era of life where I do have some teenagers and I have a toddler, a two-year-old. And I think sometimes we as parents kind of flip how we need to approach those two unique spots. And we parent our toddler as if they were a teenager where we kind of think, okay, they should be reasonable. And we can we can talk about the why, uh, why we want our child, you know, toddler to eat green beans or, or whatnot. And we expect that we can almost allow them to have a lot of choice out of how their life is supposed to be run. We'll be asking a toddler, you know, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Those are things that later on down the road, when a child has shown some stability, has shown an ability to um, be able to follow instructions that we'll want to bring in. Okay, we have a choice here. We'll want to present it to you. But a lot of times parents um, treat that that two-year-old as if this is a teenager. We don't want to trample on um, their creativity or their expressiveness by telling them what they're going to eat for lunch. Yeah, if we go to Taco Bell, I'll ask my 12-year-old, do you want a chalupa? Do you want a burrito? Do you want a fajita? What do you want? 
Uh, my two-year-old, I say, here you go. This is your food. Yes. And okay, so here's my <laughs> now, flip. Some people are going to have a problem yeah. with that. I yeah. can hear it already. They're going to say, well, but they're people too, and you need to express mm-hmm. and appreciate their individuality, and you know that they have preferences and so on too. Um, but well, see, I think birthdays and extra special days are a great time to cater to a child's taste buds. So there's a sense in which. Um, you know, we recognize that. We understand there are people, too. The, the problem is that a two-year-old does not know what is best for them. If you don't understand that, you really have missed some, a very fundamental principle of parenting, and that is that God gives children to parents for the exact reason that the child doesn't know what is best for them. And that's why Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up your child in the way that he or she should go, so that when they're older, when they're grown, they won't depart from it. And when you, as a parent, are letting the child determine the way that they should go, they don't have an inclination towards choosing the right thing. Uh, A two-year-old will eat chocolate cake for breakfast every morning. You know, if they got to govern their world, they would not choose the good thing for them. And there are a lot of passages in Scripture that talk about the nature of a child. We are not born morally good. The doctrine of original sin, I think, is one of the most scientifically, empirically verifiable uh, doctrines on the planet that you just have to spend some time around uh, some two- and three-year-olds to see that that will, that strong will, is not something you have to teach your child. You don't have to teach your child how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to steal. You don't have to teach them how to hit their sibling or how to scream and yell and throw a temper tantrum. They know how to do that. That comes Im- embedded in them. Mm-hmm. And the psalmist said that in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. I think it's in Psalm 58 that the psalmist says that even from birth the wicked are estranged and they go forth from the womb speaking lies. Mm-hmm. And that idea that these children are born innately good and that they have uh, an innate moral goodness is not verified by Scripture. Scripture says we've all sinned, uh, we all like sheep have gone astray, each one has gone to his own way. Uh, Yes, they're sweet, yes, they're cute, yes, they're adorable, but they have a nature, they have an inclination uh, to, to go towards that which is harmful for them. So we as parents have an obligation to lead them and train them in the way that they should go not the way that they want to go. And by you giving your child lots of overchoice, number one, it overstimulates them. Mm-hmm. And that's not good. They're not used to, maybe that's not the right word, but they can't handle it. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. They just can't handle the overstimulation of overchoice. But then secondly, putting them in the driver's seat relationally is a really bad idea. You are undermining your ability to guide and lead them by constantly putting them in the driver's seat of their life and they don't at, respect at that age. It. They, they do not don't respect, respect a parent that doesn't know how to make up, you know, make, choose the wisest decision for the family. And, and it kind of makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, they'll become the parent in the relationship if you allow them. Yeah. You know, they'll allow you to become subservient and them to be in the authority. And unfortunately, we see a lot of families where that's the dynamic, where the three-year-old runs the house and the parent's, uh, dutifully obey the three-year-old mm-hmm. and uh, it's terribly tragic and dysfunctional uh, doesn't have to be that way and you can change it 
but you have to be intentional. If that's your situation, you as a couple have to get on the same point page, have a family meeting and say, this isn't how we're going to operate anymore. Get some good books. Let's recommend a few resources for these parents. Um, I would recommend Dare to Discipline by Ooh. Dr. James Dobson. I'd also recommend another book he wrote called The Strong-Willed Child. Yes. Uh, both of those books are really helpful. Uh, also, his book, Parenting Isn't for Cowards. Yes. I think those are good books that uh, I didn't write, but that I would recommend to you as uh, a young parent. I also really like, and this is dealing usually a little more with older children, um, but the heart of it is so good that it's good to get on the right track early. Um, Dr. Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart and then Instructing a Child's Heart, both of those books are really useful for getting beyond training just behavior to dealing with the heart of the child, mm-hmm. what's going on in the inside. Right. Uh, and then, of course, um, my book, Full-Time Parenting, A Guide to Family-Based Discipleship, really helps to get to the heart of what does the Bible say about parenting, about child training, child discipline. Uh, and as we mentioned, you know, we have a chapter there called How I Taught My Children to Sit Still and Be Quiet. That uh, chapter's worth the whole price of the book just there. And then uh, How to Get Over Disciplining and Dealing with Your Children with Anger and Stress. Um, that new book is called Pitch in a Fit, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. And uh, you can get our books from uh, familyrenewal.org, and you can get the other books that I mentioned at christianbook.com. So one other thing I wanted to add was that you'll remember Eli, the priest from the book of Samuel in the Bible, and his sons went off and did all sorts of wickedness before the Lord, and yet Eli, as their father, would not speak to them in a reasonable time about their sin. It was like he, he just couldn't bring himself to address it. And I feel like for parents, you know, especially if this is your first child with a two-year-old, it's difficult to learn that place of, okay, now's the time I need to speak. And yet we need not to be afraid of it. Eli was condemned for his um, lack of willingness to speak into his son's lives. And as parents with two-year-olds, this is that foundational age that kind of lays a foundation for the rest of their childhood when you as mom or dad are able to speak into their lives and bring life and bring boundaries, but also point them to Christ through your words. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So the response of the parent needs to be to not let things slide, not let them slip, but instead to... Make sure that the discipline is happening immediately. And that's really important for young children, isn't it? Because they lack the attention span yes. that uh, older children have. And mm-hmm. five minutes later, they don't remember what they did. They have no idea what it was they did. So you have to be prompt uh, with your discipline and ensure that the children receive a, a correction uh, immediately when yep. they're little so that they still have the association between what it was that they did that was wrong and the right. uh, and the discipline. That loving discipline. Well, we want to thank you for listening to this broadcast. Again, we hope that you'll get plugged into the resources that we provide through Family Renewal. Um, you can subscribe to our email list at familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe. When you sign up there for our email list, you'll receive about one email a month. That's all the time that we have to send emails to you. And so we're not going to be crowding your email box. 
But we want to let you know when we're in your area with an event, we do free parenting seminars, marriage seminars. So sign up on our email list, familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe. Also visit us on Facebook. Um, You can visit my personal page, which is israel.wayne, my author page, which is facebook.com forward slash israelwayneauthor, and then uh, forward slash familyrenewal. I'm also on Twitter, at Israel Wayne, and uh, most other social media uh, formats we're on there uh, somewhere with Family Renewal or Israel Wayne. You can search for us on Google Plus and LinkedIn and other sites. So we would love to be able to find uh, ways to connect with you. We want you to visit our website. Uh, We have a blog on there, and there's lots of great resources that you can find through our ministry website. So we'd love to hear your feedback, too, um, on this broadcast or other uh, podcasts that we've done. And uh, we'd love to find a way to be able to keep in touch with you. So thank you for listening to the Family Renewal Podcast. Please tell your friends about it. We would love for um, them to be able to listen to as well. All of these are archived on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. And so we want you to be able to share those resources with your friends. So thank you so much for listening to this uh, podcast, and we will look forward to meeting with you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.